Okay. First three chapters of the neuroscience textbook are down, and this was the intro to neuroscience. This was the uh, nuts and bolts and the foundation of, of, of what, what's to come. And, and so we're, we're, we get into kind of the, not, not quite the nitty gritty, just kind of understanding how everything's organized and how everything's set up. And uh, yeah, let's, let's get to it. So, you know, the first thing to understand is that, you know, obviously I come from the, I come from a strength and conditioning background and uh, in my, in my world and, and how I've set up my business, uh, I have two sides of it and there's the health side and there's the performance side. Now, when I say health, what I mean by health is that it, we're talking, what does the body uh, what is it designed to do now? And I, I can get into much more in depth in, in some other episodes here, but the, the, the bodies, we kind of have these hunter gatherer bodies and we obviously don't live hunter gatherer lives, lifestyles in the slightest. So, you know, I'm trying to, when I say health, I'm basically trying to get you to function like, uh, like a hunter gatherer as best as I can. And it's obviously a grind to do in this world that we live in. I'm out here in New York city and I mean, there's nobody even in the remote vicinity of a hunter gatherer within, you know, a hundred miles of this place, even it may, you may have to go up to like Maine or New Hampshire or something to actually find somebody who's possibly uh, approaching a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. So, uh, so when I talk about health, we're talking about like optimal health. Like what do cells need to optimally perform? And then uh, overall, like what, what's optimal health? I'm not talking about, like if somebody's like, I want to bench press 100 pounds or 1,000 pounds, that's not necessarily healthy. And, and, and so like that's, that's fine. That's, that's, that's more of the performance side. Uh, I, I'm, you know, the health, when I say health, I'm talking about optimal health period. That's all I'm concerned about is what the body was designed to do and how it optimally works. Now, when I say performance, now I'm talking about your goals. You know, do you want to be able to dunk a basketball? Do you want to be able to deadlift a thousand pounds? You know, what are your individual goals? And now I can start, uh, producing a program to help guide you in that direction towards exactly you know what is best for you and you know whatever you wish to have in your in your life so uh there's two separate sides of it uh and and when you know i just want you to have an understanding that when i talk about neuroscience and i mean that's the world that i'm coming from so uh, th there's three things that you need to be focused on as a strength and conditioning coach, a performance coach, uh, when we're talking about neuroscience. Now, obviously, we're not uh, we're not performing neuro neurosurgery. We're not operating on a brain. We don't need to be neuroscientists and be experts in the industry. We just need to understand uh, the brain and, and understand what's important pertaining to what we're doing. So when it comes to uh, strength and conditioning coaches, there's three things that you need to focus on in, in, uh, when it comes to neurology. The first is what improves movement. What inside of your dome, in that little pink squishy thing inside of your dome, can improve or make m movement worse? The second thing that we have to understand is what takes that movement and maximizes it for their respective sport. One of the things that I definitely want to address is that I think that everybody is an athlete and everybody's sport is something different. My sport is running a business. My sport is uh, 
being on my feet a lot, coaching a lot of people, getting lifting some heavy things, setting things up, running a business that requires late hours. So when I say uh, my sport, that's what I'm talking about. What are the demands of my sport? I have I need a lot. I need to have a lot of aerobic endurance to last my, throughout the entire day, um, and I need to have I need to have a lot of energy. So I need to have a lot of cellular cellular health, cellular endurance, cellular function. So nutrition's a big deal. Uh, maybe some more uh, aerobic power, cardiac output type stuff are more appropriate for my for my day. Um, but so that's my sport. You know, my brother, his sport is playing professional baseball and that's more classic sense of it. But what I'm trying to get at is to let you know that everybody is an athlete. Everybody is an athlete. Just everybody's sport is different and it may not be in the classic sense of what a sport actually is. And the third thing that you have to understand when you're a strength and conditioning coach and you're trying to learn neurology is that inappropriate associations leading to unnecessary reflexive action. I'm going to say that one more time. Inappropriate associations leading to an leading to unnecessary reflexive action. And basically, and we can get into uh, we will get into some deeper understandings of how the brain operates and this is specific to the neocortex and how uh, using your memory and using a predictive model, your brain, you are always accumulating information and you're accumulating memories. And as things, as you know, things come into your awareness and, and into your brain, your brain either associates something with safety or it associates something with danger. And if it associates something with danger, your movement's gonna be impaired. You're gonna have some sort of reaction, some sort of stress response, and your movement, is, your movement program, your movement ability is going to be impaired. If it associates it with safety, it's gonna, it, your movement is gonna be affected, but it's gonna be affected for the, you know, positively as opposed to negatively. So there's three things, let me run through them again. We got what improves movement, what takes that movement and maximizes it for their respective sport, and then inappropriate associations leading to unnecessary reflexive action. Those are the three things that we need to understand about uh, neurology if we are personal trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, etc. okay? How do billions of individual nerve cells in the brain produce behavior and cognitive states and how are those cells influenced by the environment, which includes social experience? This is a very basic question for the understanding and the entire study of neuroscience. So real quick, I wanna run down, I'm gonna run down the seven main parts of the CNS. And I'll preface this by saying, like we're just kind of outlining what's going on here. I don't think as a strength and conditioning coach that it's super important to understand you know everything that's happening so like the first thing we have is the spinal cord it processes sensory info from the body the medulla oblongata digestion breathing heart rate control like it's not super important that you understand that the medulla oblongata is a huge player in digestion but i, I you know for the sake of just reviewing the the nuts and bolts and the foundation of, or the building blocks of neuroscience, we're just gonna touch on it here, we're just gonna run it down. So we got the first two, a spinal cord, medulla oblongata. Then there's the pons, which is uh, responsible for movement from, the, from cerebral hemisphere to the cerebellum. 
Then we'll roll to the cerebellum as number four, uh, which is learning motor skills, and it's gonna dictate your force and range of motion. And, and this is actually interesting, and I want you to just kind of understand that there's a part of your brain that dictates your force, and there's a, and the same part of your brain dictates uh, your range of motion. So if that's if that's the case, uh, there's you gotta imagine that there's a lot of input that can come into your brain that's gonna uh, affect your force and your range of motion. Uh, and you know that's why when you first start a workout program. You know, you get, if you're a relatively untrained individual is going to see a lot of improvement, a lot of gain in their strength right away because of some sort of neural adaptation. And it's not necessarily that they got bigger, but they just became more efficient at that move. And that's, some, that's a product of the cerebellum because now you're dictating force. And then same, and same thing goes for, um, you know, your range of motion. You know, you're going to get a certain input that comes into your brain and based on how the cerebellum handles that information, it's going to dictate how much range of motion, how much capacity for movement the, the, the uh, brain is allowing you. So moving right along, number five is the midbrain, which is eye movements and visual slash auditory reflexes. And number six is the diencephalon, which is cortical, autonomic, endocrine, and visceral processing. And a cool little factoid about the diencephalon is that your optic nerve is a physical outgrowth of your diencephalon. And the optic nerve is the, is the cranial nerve that goes from your eye, that sends visual signals from your eye to your brain. So if, if you can only imagine at this point, and we will definitely get into this, but uh, you can only imagine how much of a player your vision is to brain function range of motion, the force output, and just overall performance and health, uh, that your vision is playing a huge, 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 huge role in all of that. And the number seven, last part, main part of the central nervous system is your cerebrum, which is basically autonomic function, association, motor performance, and memory, okay? Again, not super important for you to understand that, but it is, it's, it's good to just kind of break it down and just kind of see the, the building blocks of what's coming, what's coming forward. So uh, specific regional function is, is the next topic we'll, we'll touch on. And that's basically saying that, you know, they'll say that uh, Broca's area in the brain, which is a specific region, is responsible for speech. And this has kind of been uh, through, through research with lesions and electrical stimulation, they have found that you know, if, if, if one part of the brain is damaged, so -and -so, if the Broca's area is damaged, so-and-so can't speak anymore. And, and you know, they've done a lot of research to find out that, that most people's Broca's area in their, in their brain is responsible for speech because when it's injured, people can't speak anymore. And the same thing goes for electrical stimulation is how when you know a certain part of the brain is stimulate, stimulated electrically, a, a certain part of their body moves, and when this happens repeatedly, uh, you know that part of the brain is now associated with a specific movement. Now, on the flip side of it is we're starting to realize as science becomes more advanced that this may not necessarily be true. In in studies with I believe it was even mice or rats, uh, they have found that if you if you uh, if, if, a, if, a, if a mouse or a rat is blind, they can actually hear with their visual parts, uh, with their visual centers of the brain and vice versa. So what we're seeing in the research that's coming out now is that 
uh, I think there's preferred areas of the brain. So like there's a preferred area of preferred visual cortex. There's a preferred auditory cortex, but it isn't exactly extremely specific. It's not like they can only do one thing. Um, so, and that, and that goes back to uh, the plasticity of, of the brain. And plasticity basically means that you can kind of, uh, you know, create your own neural connections and you can kind of create, uh, you know, you can, make, you can make neural changes in your own body that can, uh, you know, produce pretty much anything that you're looking for. And one of the cool things and, and along that line is, is they've actually created a device where blind people can see using their tongue. And I can't even begin to explain to you how the heck they do that. But they put this device onto their tongue and they can actually, they can actually see something. I remember there was an article or a, a book I was reading and they were talking about how somebody can actually, they actually had blind people climbing a rock wall uh, using this device and they were able to do it pretty well. So uh, with that, you, you have to, you, you now understand that, you know, you can produce vision through your tongue and now the whole concept of specific regional function is kind of out the window. So just, you know, keep, keep all that in mind when, we're, when, when you see stuff like that. Neurons at a very fundamental level, we'll go through some facts here. Neurons are the basic units of the brain. That's how everything is assembled through neurons. And there are five ways that the nervous system produces behavior. Number one, structure of the neurons. Number two, the mechanisms that the neurons, the neurons use to produce a signal between cells. Number three, patterns of connection between neurons and targets. Number four is the relationships of patterns of the interconnected neurons and behavior. And number five is how neurons are modified by experience. Now there's a few parts of the, uh, when we talk about neurons, we, we, you have to understand some level of the structure that's going on with a neuron and it's it's pretty basic it's not that hard to understand um, there's the cell body that contains the nucleus and that's the bulk of it and then there's the dendrites which are kind of branches out if you look if you, you almost picture like a sun and the rays of the sun are the dendrites and they receive incoming signals axons can be pretty long they can they can be really long actually uh, and those are outgoing signals myelin is the fatty is a fatty substance that lines the axons or yes that lines the axons to Im improve the speed of the signal going through them so it, so it can act pretty quickly the nodes of ranvier not sure i'm pronouncing that right the nodes of ranvier are rest stops along the axon to recharge the action potential and when I say uh, action potential, what I mean is an incoming, an incoming, you know, through your sensory system, uh, information comes into your system, and through that, through that, uh, when that's when that input comes in, it gets transferred to an electrical signal. It becomes an action potential. That's what it's called when it gets transformed into an electrical signal. And what you have to understand is that there is no difference between action potentials. An action potential is an action potential. So. Once a, uh, you know, once a sound comes into my ear and gets transformed into an action potential, it's the same action, it's the same signal, it's the same action potential as when a light comes into my eye, vision comes into my eye and produces a visual a action potential. It's all the same thing. An action potential is an action potential. So 
just as uh, sight can influence my behavior, my, my movement, my force production, uh, hearing can do it in the exact same way as smell and anything else that's input, being inputted through the body through whatever, whatever mode, uh, you know, whatever mode of inf information rec receiving that, uh, that can happen. Again, very basic. I, a lot of you have probably heard this stuff before, but just for, this, for the sake of covering it, afferent signals are carrying signals towards the CNS. That's like sens your sensory signals. Uh, and then efferent are carrying signals away from your CNS. So that's the reaction, that's your reflex, that's, the, um, that's, that's your movement, that's the response to the afferent signal. Neurons can also produce inhibitory signals, not just facilitation signals. And then functional plasticity. So functional plasticity demonstrates the ability to form a unique network as well as increase or decrease the synaptic effectiveness and even the forming of new synaptic connections in response to experience. And that is the, the crux of what plasticity is, is based on your experience, we can interconnect uh, a whole bunch of different uh, neurons together based on the way that you and that's what that's a huge player in individuality and why everybody can be so different is because these cell because your neurons are are quote plastic and have the ability to form their own networks if you go online uh, and I would suggest you do this if you go online and type in Purkinje cell which is P-U-R-K-I-N-J-E space cell you're gonna see a pretty ridiculous cell and this thing has so many freaking connections to it it's it's unbelievable and then you can just see as as somebody goes through their day-to-day -day operations and produces these signals i mean they're, they're everyone's just gonna have such a unique connected connective network of neurons and and that's that's plasticity that's individuality that's how we become who we are This is why just the sound of a buzzing bee can allow you to imagine what a bee looks like, what the sting feels like, and previous associations established about bees. So if I just hear a buzzing bee that like flies past my ear, that sound is going to produce a, a visual, a visual uh, signal. It's going to produce a vision in my imagination of what a bee looks like. It's going to remember all the experiences that I've had with a bee, and maybe it's going to make me a little apprehensive that I might get stung again. Um, it's going to remember what the sting feels like. And, that, and the reason that a single audio input can produce uh, all sorts of different sensations with uh, vision and feeling and touch, because of that, uh, it's because of these, this plasticity and this interconnected, interconnectedness and how everything is really connected up in the brain from, uh, you know, so you can really, you can receive an audio input and get the same, you know, get a, a visual response or get, be able to feel, you know, a, the way the sting would feel because everything, all these, your neuronal network is all connected together and that's why you can, you can stimulate all these senses with just one uh, input. All behaviors are shaped by the interplay of genes and the environment, okay? 
And one of the last things we're going to go over, and this actually may be the last thing we're going to go over. Nope, but close. Uh, so it's genotype versus phenotype, and genotype is the genetic constitution of an organism. So genotype is basically, uh, what genes do you have, right? Period. Let's end, let's end it right there. A phenotype is the observable characteristics of an individual resulting from interaction of its genotype with the environment. So it's how do these ge the, your genes get expressed based on you and based on your day-to-day -day life like how does that happen and that's based on how you live your life the food that you eat the people that you hang out with the thing the activities that you do so in in, in strength and conditioning we're really concerned with the phenotype and how you your body is being expressed based on the environments that you're always putting yourself into and that's why we have to really control the environments that you're being put yourself into that you're being put into so that we can really control the output once your input changes your output has to change as well so we're super concerned with what kind of input is coming into your body how can genes affect behavior? Mutations of the period per gene in flies directly affect the length of their internal circadian rhythm. Now, let's, I'm just going to read over this real quick. Let's just, let's just skip that part of it. I don't think that's absolutely necessary but okay so let's let's take everything that we just touched on and let's let's kind of apply it to the world of strength and conditioning and performance so what do we what do we have there so we went we went 20 minutes on the building blocks okay and now let's let's take all of that we we got the building blocks of what's going on in the in the brain and how does how do these building blocks uh, take us to the next step of becoming better performance coaches being better able to train a body so you have to understand that we are just a collection of cells okay at the very at everything that we are is at the fundamental level are just cells so we need, what we're essentially trying to do is trying to make these cells Op, uh, operate and perform and function at the best of their ability. So we're really looking at cellular health and cellular performance. How can we take these neurons and these neuronal connections and how can we make it as good as we possibly can, okay? So, uh, look, cellular health equals your health. If we're on the health spectrum, the health side of the spectrum, we're understanding that when, you're, when your cells get sick and they're not operating correctly, you get sick and you don't operate correctly. And that's a really big deal. And that's why, that's why nutrition is such a big deal because you're just feeding your cells. If you're feeding your cells Doritos, they're gonna operate like a freaking Dorito, okay? And the same thing goes for performance. If, 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 you're, if your cells don't operate correctly and they're unhealthy, you're gonna be unhealthy. If your cells don't perform correctly, your performance won't be done the way that you want it to be done. And now we have to understand how can we optimize cellular performance? How can we optimize the plasticity of that neuronal network? It's a big deal. That's basically strength and conditioning. Now I understand that, I mean, I mean that, is, that is performance training. It's, it's, it's how can we uh, take your homunculus and, and, and alter it? How can we take your uh, neuronal network and your Purkinje cells and, and organize them the way that we want them to be organized for what you want it to be organized for? And then how can we strengthen or even create new neuronal synaptic connections? 
you know, how, do, how, how does that happen? What are, what's the science behind making that connection really strong or, take, or overriding a previous connection that's no good? How can we control the input to produce the output we want? And then how can we optimize our phenotype, okay? So look, we've covered pretty much the building blocks of the neurological system here, okay? We have, and admittedly, it's a, it's a bit boring, but we now can understand exactly what's going on at the fundamental level. And now we can start putting the pieces together and understanding how the whole puzzle comes together as we work our way up to the higher processes and the more advanced understanding of the brain, all right? So we're gonna move into the next couple chapters in the next episode, so stay tuned for that. And uh, as always, ask, ask any questions that you might have, and uh, we'd be happy to dive in and answer, answer whatever we can answer, all right? Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you soon.